The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Franklin, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Our scripture reading today is from John chapter 15, verses 25 through 33. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, Now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name is Todd Teller. I'm one of the pastors at Christ Presbyterian Church, but I spend most of my time over at Old Hickory Boulevard. And uh, it's always a privilege and it's such a joy to get to come here. So many faces I see and recognize, but there's so many new ones too. And then now it's two services, which is amazing. It's so encouraging and exciting to see what the Lord is doing through this church, through this group of people, and here in Cool Springs. Uh, It's so much fun. Well, let me pray for us as we get started. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you call us together to come as a covenant community to learn from you, to learn from one another, to grow in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so would you help us to do that? We don't want to just be hearers of the word, but we want to be doers of it. So would you take these truths and make them real in our lives as we spend time together? We ask it for your glory and our blessing that we might be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a group of botanists had been looking for this flower forever. And this search finally took them to the middle of nowhere in Tibet. And they were climbing all over this mountain and they had heard rumors that this flower was somewhere up on this mountain. They'd spent days and days and finally they were about to give up when one of them came over a cleft in a cliff and looked down into this kind of skinny thin ravine and there it was. At first he thought, I'm I'm having a mirage, this can't be true after all this searching, we finally found it. But sure enough, the others came up, he called to them, they got up to him and they could see that it was this rare flower. Uh, Some people didn't even think it existed. But then they began to think, oh, well, great. There's no way any of us are going to be able to climb down there. We're too big. We're all too grown up. And so they didn't know what to do. They were out in the middle of nowhere. And so there were no other people when all of a sudden this little boy came around the corner uh, 
just down the path from where they were. And so they just pounced on him, kind of scared him to death. But they were like, please, we will pay you. We'll do anything. Would you let us put this harness on you and lower you down into this ravine so that you could get this flower for us? We've been looking for it forever. The little boy took off. He ran down the path that he'd come up. And they were like, oh, man, they, didn't even, they couldn't even get a good picture. Nobody was going to believe him. When all of a sudden, here he came. And he had an older man with him. And it was clear that this man was his father, his dad. And they got up to the group of botanists and they said, the little boy said, listen, I'll go down in your harness if you'll let my dad hold the rope. And so they did, and he did, and they retrieved the flower. As we approach the end of this upper room discourse, we're reminded that the Father of Heaven has sent the Son of Heaven on an errand, on a mission, to come and, and save His people. And here as we look at this passage, um, we see in verses 25 to 31 that the first thing that we learn is that there's a foundation of trust. It's not a perfect trust. As a matter of fact, it, it falters, it, it fails, it struggles. But there is a foundation of trust. And then we're going to see um, that this foundation of trust gets tested through great tribulation. And we have to deal with that too. And then thirdly, we're going to see that trust through tribulation leads to incredible, glorious triumph. So let's look at those three things. First, here's this trust. And you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I read the Bible and I'm like, what in the world is it talking about? Or why would it say it this way? You know, if we wrote the Bible, we'd probably have written it a lot different. Thank goodness God wrote it. But there's this little banner back and forth about figuratively speaking and, and plainly speaking. Well, we have this foundation of trust because Jesus is talking to the disciples, this group who has left everything, staked everything on Jesus. They're following him. They're up in the upper room celebrating the Passover meal and they don't even understand, but they're about to go through incredible tribulation. He's been telling them, but he's had to use parables because the Pharisees were mad at him. The Jewish and religious teachers were upset with him. And he, and he had to bide his time for the perfect time. And so he has had to be careful about how he said things, but he has been clear to them. But we got to understand, and we do it too, it was hard for them to believe that this Messiah, the promised one, the Lamb of God, the one that God had been writing about, teaching about, telling about, showing through the sacrificial system, that this one would come and save his people. They were trusting in that. They were believing in that. That's why they were in the upper room. But they couldn't quite grasp. It was foggy. Some of the details were foggy to them, confusing to them that this Savior, who they thought was going to wipe out Rome and put Israel in its proper place, 
was going to have to go and die. And even worse, die on a cross. They just couldn't connect the dots. And so Jesus says, I'm about to show you plainly. And we know he's talking, he is headed to the cross. It's just a few hours from now. And sometimes we look at the disciples, or maybe I'll better speak for myself. Sometimes I look at you silly people. What in the world? But we can be silly too. Maybe you notice that I had a little trouble getting up the steps because I got this boot on. Even with my even up, which makes it a little easier, I went with the teal, you know. Uh, my wife's car broke down the other night and she called me and I got to her and it, unfortunately it's an old Volvo that weighs 9 million pounds. Maybe each door weighs 9 million pounds. But it broke down and, and it was off to the side as far as she could get it but it wasn't running anymore and I thought we've got to get this over a little bit more and she said, Todd, don't you do it. You're going to hurt yourself. I went, I push cars off the side of the road a million times. Get in the car and drive this thing. I'm pushing it off. And then pop. I went, oh man. To her credit, she has not made me pay for that. <laughs> Sometimes we think too highly of ourselves, don't we? Sometimes we get prideful and think, we got this. And there was a part of the disciples that thought, man, we're with the guy. We got this. He's going to take over. He's going to Put things right, right here, right now. And so Jesus had to help them, had to teach them. And the good thing is, y'all, our faith isn't perfect. It's never going to be on this side of heaven. But God loves sinners who falter and fail. He came to save sinners who struggle and mess up and think they know more than they know. Think they're more capable than they really are. Thank the Lord. That's who He came for. That's why He came. And the disciples have a faith. Remember what the Bible tells us? If, if you have faith as big as a mustard seed, He will take that faith and work in and to and through you. And that's what he's doing with this band of disciples. They don't get it all. But he's about to go and die for them. He's about to go and die for his people. For you, for me. And they're trusting in him. And we know that, that they do get it. That they do understand who, re, who he really is. Because if you look at verse 26 and 28, if you've got a Bible, just look there. He says, uh, you came from the Father. You were sent from him. Um, and so they understand that he's not just a great teacher. He is God. He's come from God. And they say it later. You're God. You know everything. You don't have to wait to be asked questions. You already know the answers. You know the questions that are coming because you're divine. Because you are God incarnate. If you look at verse 28, we understand that Jesus tells them, and we know they understand it, that I've come into the world, that He was born of the Virgin Mary. They've seen Him get tired. They've seen Him get hungry. 
They've seen him fall asleep, even in a storm. And say that they know, they get it. This is the promised one, the Messiah, the infinite God who's 100% God and 100% man. That's why he lived a perfect life. And yet, they don't totally understand this, but he's about to go and die a criminal's death so that they can have life, so that we can have life, that if we trust in him, we're saved. And he explains that to them. And he understands they're going to struggle because he confronts them. Now, here's the great thing about God, too. He's so kind and gracious and generous. But he does confront our sin. He does confront when we get it wrong. And sometimes we get it wrong. And we've got to be okay with that. This is a God who loves us and who will not leave us when we're living a lie or believing a lie or walking in lies. And he says, hey... Yes, you do believe, but you don't get it fully. And you're going to scatter, and you're going to be confused, and you're going to leave me alone. You can't help but think of Peter. No, absolutely not. You bring it. I'm I'm not going to do that. And yet we know he did. And sometimes, maybe you're like me, sometimes I do this. Sometimes I falter. Sometimes my faith gets weak and I don't do what I know I need to do and I I do what I know I shouldn't do maybe that describes you too it described the disciples and yet aren't we so grateful for this beautiful picture who are they they're the disciples he didn't give up on them he didn't walk away he didn't leave them or forsake them no no he died for them and he lived for them And he sends them out. And he's true to his word. I'll never leave or forsake you. They left and forsook him for a moment. They faltered. But he didn't leave them. And so ultimately, they can't leave him. And they won't. And they don't. You see, our passage tells us there's this trust whose source is Jesus. The Christ the Messiah, the promised one. God the Father has been telling them He's coming since Genesis 3. And here He is. And they believe it. Though they're weak. Though they're imperfect. Though they falter and fail. Verse 3. We know. We believe. And they did. And Jesus sustained them. And we can trust that He will do that. 1 Timothy 2. There is one God and one mediator between God and men. That man is Christ. I need no argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. They were resting. They were trusting in that. Who are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? Run to Jesus. Because here's the thing, that's the foundation that will help. That's the foundation that did help them deal with the tribulation that they're about to face. Isn't it awesome that we know we have a God who doesn't candy coat. We have a God who doesn't not tell us what we need to know. We have a God that is honest and truthful with us. Always, every time. Sometimes we don't like it. And yet here Jesus says, listen, 
men, sons, daughters, you're going to encounter tribulation. Trust me when you do. You're going to have to deal with tribulation. It's coming. It's a part of living in a fallen world and being fallen people. Sometimes we get mad about him and we get mad at him and it's our own sin that has caused the tribulation or the trial or the tumult or the struggle or the hurt. And it's, and it's our fault. And thankfully we have a patient, gracious, merciful, kind Savior who doesn't caveat this. I'm the good shepherd. I will shepherd you through. He uses even our own sin, even the tribulation that comes from our own wrongdoing to build us up, to mature us, to grow us, to develop us. He doesn't cast us out or cast us away. The Father sent this Son on this glorious and gracious mission because it was His plan and His purpose to save sinners like you and like me. But sometimes we deal with tribulation that's not from our own doing, that comes from living in a fallen world, cancer, dementia, disease. Or sometimes we deal with tribulation that comes because there are other sinners in the world. And there's injustice. And we're sinned against. And yet again, God gives us this great, great lesson. This great doctrine. We say it all the time. We gotta live it out. We gotta trust it. We gotta walk in it. We gotta believe it. We gotta trust Him. All things work for the good of those who love Him. I love to say that. It's easy to say that. It is so hard to walk it out, isn't it? But we have a good shepherd who is trustworthy and true. And he holds on to us and he never lets go. And it's not dependent, whether we do it well or not, is not dependent on our own strength. We can't do it. We cannot do it in our own strength. But in Him, we can do all things. Don't know where this came from, uh, but this is a beautiful poem. Trust Him when dark doubts assail thee. Trust Him when thy strength is small. Trust Him when to simply trust Him seems the hardest thing of all. Trust Him. He is ever faithful. Trust Him for he will, His will is best. Trust Him for the heart of Jesus is the only place we can find rest. We can rest in Him through a trust in Him that helps us when tribulation smacks us in the face and seeks to crush our hearts. The disciples are about to face a crushing trial. Their teacher, the one they love, the one who loves them is about to be, uh, even though innocent, put on trial and then crucified. And we're kind of used to that. They were not. They saw it all the time, but it was the worst of the worst. And he was going to have to endure that. But in that enduring, 
we see his great love. But tribulation is a part of what we have to live through and deal with. We, we must not be caught off guard. And again, what's so great about God is he, he does not say to us, oh, yay, cancer. Oh, I'm so glad I get to grow through the death of somebody I love. No, 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 no. He hates what's come out of the horrible effect of sin coming into the world. He hates cancer. He hates dementia. He hates death. We see it in the scriptures throughout. When he was at the graveside of Lazarus, the word used there is he raged at death. He wept so loud that the whole crowd went, Woo! Man, he must have loved him. He gets it. He understands it. He's been through it. He's gone before us in it. He knows what tribulation is like because he's gone before us. But think about how the scriptures put it. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. Or James 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Psalm 31, my times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and my persecutors. 2 Corinthians, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Are Romans 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. It's so easy to quote those. It's so hard to trust and rest in them when trouble and trial and tribulation hit us. But they're true. And thank the Lord, it's not dependent on my ability to believe that in my own strength. I can't do it. That's why Jesus said so many times, that, and we've heard it recently as we've studied this upper room discourse, He has to go. It's better for us to go. That's so hard to believe. But it's true. Why? Because He's going to send us a helper. The Holy Spirit. His Spirit who lives and rules and reigns in us and takes tribulation and turns it on its head and makes it a beautiful, glorious scalpel in the hands of a loving surgeon who cares for us so much so that He didn't just write us a letter and say, hey, son, daughter, I love you. He sent His Son 
his beloved son. And he allowed that he be crucified and dead and buried. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Because God the Father loves sinners like you and like me, he sent Jesus to die so that in him our debt is paid. In him we're freed from the complete and absolute and total control of sin over our hearts and minds. In Christ we trust in him. And in Christ tribulation can be, should be, must be seen as an instrument in the hands of a holy, loving Father who cares for us. Did you see it? Every time he talks about trials and tribulations, what does he say? It's so I can perfect you. It's so you can see the bounty of my love. It's so you can grow in what is eternal. It's never for nothing. It just doesn't feel that way. But it's never for nothing. And we don't have to say, oh yay, I get to go through trials and tribulation. We can say, God Almighty, help me. God Almighty, you've been there. You understand. I don't cry out to one who has no understanding. You completely get this. Thank you for going before me. And you've sent your Holy Spirit and don't forget this, Matthew 12. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Often, uh, he knows this too, y'all. But You know, when you think of the fun Bible stories, let's just take a couple of them. David and Goliath. You think about that story. When you tell it in your heart, in your mind, who are you in that story? I'm just going to confess, I'm always David. <laughs> when in reality, you know who I really am? I'm more like the Israelites who are afraid and dismayed. God had sent them to take care of the Philistines and they forgot. And they got scared. And they got confused. And they got worried about themselves. That, if I'm honest, describes me more completely. And God understands that. Who did he love? Those crazy Israelites. Who did he send? David, who was a foreshadowing of Christ who would come and complete that. What did David do? He, he killed Goliath, cut his head off. Or what about Moses in the Red Sea? Again, didn't learn my lesson with David, although there, I got him backwards. I'm Moses, when in reality, I'm the Israelites. Do you remember what, what they said? This is unbelievable, but it's so often where my heart is. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Did you bring us out here in the desert to die? We could have died peacefully in Egypt. There were plenty of graves in Egypt. We told you this would happen <laughs> peacefully in Egypt. Egypt was horrible. I'm so often there. Maybe you are too. And we serve a God. We follow a God who doesn't get rid of us when we act like that. Because we're like the Israelites. He parted the Red Sea. And He saved His people. 
He sent Jesus to save you and to save me and Moses and David and all those stories point to this one that the disciples were trusting in. We must believe his word. We can stake our lives on it. We're going to have tribulation. But we have him and we have his spirit that lives and rules and reigns in us through prayer, through faithful practice of his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. He will do it. He will persevere us through tribulation, through trials. You know how we know? Because he did it with the disciples. And you've probably experienced times where you see that reality in your life. If not, run to the disciples. Because they did scatter. They were confused. They held up in a room, scared to death. And rightly so, remember? Jesus gets to Thomas and says, Hey, I know you doubt. Touch, touch these holes. Put your, put your fingers in the wound in my side. He said, there are going to be people after you that don't get to see this. Blessed are they. We're those people. And we, like Thomas, can believe. And he will bless us as we believe. As he enables us to do that. A mustard seed of faith that's provided by him, through him. He was two years old when they found out he had leukemia. His name was David. His mom's name was Deborah. They heard about a doctor at Massachusetts General Hospital that had treatments that could help him. So they went to find out how bad it was, and it was bad. The doctor came out and said he has a 50-50 chance, but I think I have some medicine that could save him. Are you willing to try? It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. It's going to be tough. It's going to take a long time Will you do it. And the, Deborah said, absolutely. For David, yes. And so they went to work. Countless clinic visits. Countless blood tests. The pricking and the prodding and the poking and the, the shots and the drugs and the hurt and the hard day after day after day. Finally, they got to a point and the doctor said, listen, I know all this has been hard. I know all this has hurt. I know this has been tough. I've got to do something even tougher. And Deborah, the mom, said, what? How? What? Are you sure? He said, I've got to do a spinal tap. But I can get the medicine in faster and fuller. Are you willing? And she said, if it'll help him. And he said, I believe it will. And so on the day when David had to go in for this uh, spinal tap, his mom, Deborah, said, listen, David, this may hurt more than all the other pricks and, and prods and shots, but just remember, if it hurts really bad, it's because Dr. Truman loves you, and I love you. And so they went in. It was horrendous. It took three nurses to hold David down. He yelled, he sobbed, he hurt, he struggled, he sweated, he cried. But just as they were finishing it up, David looked at Dr. Truman and he said, Dr. Truman, thank you for my hurting. You see, he understood 
though it hurt, though it was hard, it was out of love and it was for his good. David survived leukemia. Doesn't always happen that way. Doesn't end up in a nice, neat little bow. But it is always true that it's allowed because we have a loving Father who wants to help us learn to live again. You see, Jesus came to save us. I'm so thankful. Because that means we don't ever go to hell. We'll never spend eternity there. If you trust in Jesus, we get out of that. But it's way more than that. See, I think a lot of times as Christians, we make the mistake of going, I just got to make it to heaven. And God says, don't ever choose to live that way. This is my universe. Yes, it groans under the madness and effects of sin. But in love, we can trust Him that even the hardest trials and tribulation that we go through, it's for our good. And it will work in our lives because we know that in Christ, He has triumphed. He has overcome. He has defeated our greatest enemies. Look at verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, in Christ, sinners like you and like me, we have peace with the holy God. And if we have peace with the one true God, with the holy God, even though we're sinful, then we can have peace in this world. No matter what comes, no matter what we face, no matter what happens to us, we can know in Christ, through Christ, He's the source, He's the power to have peace. I struggle with that because there are a lot of times in my life, in my head, in my heart, I don't experience peace. And sometimes, if I'm being really honest, when I hear that verse, peace that passes all understanding, I say, I, I don't know. My faith falters. My heart struggles. But I'm the care pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church. You know what that means? A lot of times I go into tough places where there's cancer or where someone is dying. And y'all, I got to tell you, people say, how do you do it? Because I get to see the reality of God and I get to see the truth that there is in Christ, through Christ, peace that passes all understanding. Because I go into places where a person is dying and there's peace. Not only peace, joy and excitement. And I'm not kidding. Or where someone finds out they have cancer and they're tear tracks, but there's a settledness and a steadiness and a peace to go, I'm not afraid. I'm not angry. I'm going to trust. And we can't muster that up. Not in those places. Not in those times. You can't fake that. You can't counterfeit that. It only comes from God. It only comes when a person is trusting and resting in Christ. Our debt was paid. Peace. Jesus died to set us free. Peace. We're known by the one true God. Peace. We're loved by the only God. Peace. We're sustained in life 
by a loving Father who is God alone, peace. We are adopted sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, peace. We will be glorified and go spend eternity with Him in heaven, in His presence. We will eat at the Lamb's feast, peace. Jesus is the source of our peace. Jesus is the power that provides for our peace. You know, three women ran to go take care of Jesus' body, but his body wasn't there. An angel had rolled the stone away and said, I know you're here to see him. This is the Todd Taylor paraphrase. But he's not here. And he wasn't. Peace. And he rose from the dead. Defeating death, sin, Satan. Peace for sinners like you and like me. Trust through tribulation develops triumph and an understanding and a reality because it's true. He has declared victory. Another favorite story of mine in the Bible is Joseph and the coat of many colors. Remember that? And he... He was a little cocky guy and he got his brothers upset with him and they got so mad that they sold him into slavery. Remember that? In Genesis 37. Uh, And then God used him to take care of his family in a famine. Listen to this though. Think about it. Joseph, uh, before that all happened, went out to go find his brothers. Here's, Here's Genesis 37. A man found him wandering in the fields. And the man asked him, what are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me please where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, they have gone away for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and he found them at Dothan. Isn't that a neat little coincidence? Wandering around lost and he finds a guy who happened to hear what his brothers were saying. They had some big flocks. Not sure how they got tangled up and he heard what they were saying. But he did. Joseph just happened to meet a man in a field at Dothan. If Joseph had not met the stranger, he would not have been sold into slavery. Which means he would not have become a great man in Egypt. Which means he would not have provided refuge for his family during the famine. Which means the children of Israel would not have been present in Egypt which means Moses would not have been sent to rescue them, which means he would not have taken them through the wilderness wanderings to the promised land, which means there would be no nation of Israel, which means there there would not have been any Babylonian captivity, which means there would have not been a Jewish girl named Mary by whom Christ was born, which means he would not have been able to disciple the disciples, which means there would be no Christianity, which means there would be no Catholic church for Luther and Knox to reform, which means there would be no Presbyterians to come to America, which means there would be no Christ Presbyterian church in Nashville, Tennessee, which means we would not be here today which means I would not be preaching 
to you today. And yet, here I am, boot and all. God is in control, and we can trust Him no matter what comes, no matter what happens. He loves us, and in Christ, we can live our lives out, even in the storms, with a peace that passes all understanding because He has triumphed. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful for this. Would you help us to not simply be hearers of the word, but doers of the word? I have such a struggle with that. I believe, help me with my unbelief. Will you help us when we struggle to believe? Would you make these things real in our lives? That we would trust in Christ and that that trust would triumph practically daily, and eternally. We know it's true because you tell us it is. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. It makes the wounded spirit whole and calms the troubled breath. Tis manna to the hungry soul and to the weary. Dear name, the rock on which I build my shield and hiding place, my never-failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. Jesus, my shepherd, brother, friend, my prophet, priest, and king. My Lord, my life, my way, my end. Accept the praise I bring. Father, we just ask that we would praise you with our lives. That we would trust you and rest in you in a manner that shows the world your love. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.